Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm sure many of the listening audience suddenly feel all of their orifices closing and their their heart rates doubling and so on. Because registrars have come over the years to have a very bad name. So I thought that would be an interesting subject. Are you interested? I actually was never in the church, Church of Scientology. I have done all of my stuff outside in the field. And so I have zero experience with registrars, and for any of our other listening audience that may not really know what this is all about, could you give some background exactly? What are we talking about here? A registrar, that's a great question. I'm happy that you brought it up here because you're in a similar condition with many people that I know today, in fact, who have done all of their... My partner, in fact, has been auditing for 20 years and never stepped foot into a church. I well understand this question. Uh, A registrar is that person who basically registers people for services. When uh, a person, a, a new person comes in... They read a book, they do whatever they do to find out about it, and then Kevin, the first person they talk to is the public registrar. He is there for new people. And his purpose is to orient this new public person to what's going on with Scientology. It's a very simple cycle. Inquires about well, what's interesting for you and so forth. And most often, in fact, in 100% of the cases where I was concerned, OCA, the personality profile, was used because it gave us a point of conversation the person you know because he would come and say i have this and this and this and i I would say well listen let's get some more definition on it uh i want you to do this profile and then we'll really have something to uh zero in on what we want to talk about and so the registrar is there absolutely to help the person in front of him his entire intention is to help this person find orientation with not only his own situation, but with the means by which a particular service will address that situation. Uh, money is a coincidence of the registrar. Actually, the Department of Collections is in the Treasury Division. But registrars orienting somebody to a course, they, they take him through the thing and they register the cycle and then they take his money. But there's a very specific awareness characteristic. Whether you've ever been in the church or not, will sooner or later become aware of these things called awareness characteristics. And there's a whole lot of them. But they, they appear in a certain sequence. 
And it turns out that when you resolve one of these awareness characteristics, his awareness improves, actually enhances to the next higher awareness characteristics. It's a fascinating technology. Until he arrives at the point where he is in a need of change. Everybody has had a situation in their life when they thought, man, I've got to change. i got to change something here. I mean, uh, you know, my marriage is not good. We're in a need of change on the marriage, or I'm in a need of change on my job. It's an awareness characteristic. Right. So now this person, so this person is sitting with the registrar, and the registrar brings him to a point where he recognizes, yes, I need to change this condition, and then he walks him through the next awareness characteristic, which is demand for improvement. I've, I've, I've got to fix it. That's the deal. I've got to fix it. Now, mind you, this is all on the public person who's talking to the person. Now, I was a public registrar for some years. Another one of my hats, at least one of the hats that I considered that I wore was I am the gatekeeper into my organization. I had a few stable facts that I operated with. And one was, if I don't think I can really help this guy, I'm not taking him in for service. Number two, if the guy is a very complicated case with a real problem, he's just making all these problems for himself, I would ask myself, do I want to uh, accept these problems and bring them into the organization? This is a necessary point because people get very desperate sometimes when they don't have enough people to service, so they just take anybody. And this was not at that time a very large organization, and you just can't bring psychos into a small organization and cause anything but mayhem. So one, one of my jobs was to be selective, was literally in the point of view that I can either sign him up or not at will. I am willing to do either one. But I was also never in a position of desperation. I had plenty of people I could talk with. There was never a scarcity on people. In many organizations, uh, you know, the, the registrars are sitting there with holes in their jeans and they look like be offering children and they're sitting there very nervously when the, when the public person walks in and they have got to close him because if they don't close this guy for his service, their senior is going to be all over them. Well, of course, this is, this is a psychotic organization and you, you run into these things. But this was not the way it was in any of the organizations that I, that I had any part with. So this is kind of an alien concept until I went freelance and I was moving into other organizations and noticed how registrars their public. I mean, let's face it, this subject of Scientology is not for everyone. It's just not. And you just got, you just got to accept that. It's not for everyone. But those people who are attracted to it, interestingly enough, run to the very intelligent upbeat, uh, they want to succeed, they're very interested in life, but they, they, they have a problem with it. You know, we're actually interested in helping the able to become more able. And as we help more of these able people, they will turn around and help us to help everyone else. But mm -hmm. you want to start with the able people. And that was definitely the orientation of every group I have had anything to do with creating. We always targeted very competent people, successful people, business executives, uh, doctors, and that kind of thing. But money for us was never a problem. We know this guy has money, and it was never on our minds. What's on our minds was just absolutely handling the person's needs in front of us. Now, that's the, the viewpoint of a registrar who knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Too many people encountered registrars who just wanted to get their money. Well, here's and, a question and, and, regarding that. 
Yeah. When did that particular mode of operation start? You know, I don't know. And I don't know for the simple reason that the organizations that we created in 1982, now remember this was the year when the mission holder conference wiped out uh, the mission holders. Mm -hmm. But it was in that same year that we started Latch Management Services. And in the next year, we started Sterling Management Groups. And these groups actually provided public for us. We would have a lot of able people in these groups. And it was my job to sit and be the sort of liaison between those groups and our mission, mm -hmm. uh, the San Francisco mission. So we were in a bubble. I mean, we didn't have any associations with any other organizations but FLAG. Because when our public came in, we would eventually then send them off to flag to continue their services. And our, flag, and our public was just treated like royalty because they were so well handled. They were so engaged with the subject. They were winning their brains out. So very easy to handle. Mm -hmm. And then later on, the IAS and all that stuff became a factor. But the truth is, as far as my own activities were concerned, I was at, at the front end dealing with brand new people. And I was simply not aware of what was going on in other organizations until after uh, 1989 when I left that, those positions and went freelance. I don't know when the thing started, but uh, certainly the IAS... In fact, in 2009, I was here in South Africa, just sort of gets ahead of the game. But I saw how registrars were behaving. First of all, they weren't regging people for services. They weren't enlightening people about services and so forth. They were talking to them about the International Association of Scientologists. Mm -hmm. That's actually what started the dominoes falling for me. Because I went up to this registrar afterward and I said, aren't you on post? He said, yeah. I said, but you're selling... You're, you're not selling services. You're selling the international. He says, oh, yeah, that's 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 the command intention today. That's what we're all doing. And I, and I actually went through the organization right up the chain of command to the CEO of the Commodore's Messengers Org of the continent. And every one of them was off post, regging for the International Association of Scientologists. Mm. I, I mean, I, I mean, this was 2009. You know, mind you, I've been out touring around planet for the last 10 years but this is the first time i'd seen this you guys are all off post man. well <laughs> that's that started it for me because because then i went to australia they were doing the same thing in australia so then i went okay i'm getting to the bottom of this and i went back to flag i spent 2010 trying to fix this thing thinking somebody has just misduplicated something in middle management but the point is all of the actual registrars who were supposed to be there to enlighten people about their services were selling the International Association of Scientology and the Ideal Org Project, and they were all off post. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine, of course, the church is collapsing, but it's been collapsing now for years. They haven't had any attention on putting anybody on services. But I digress from the point of the registrar. Mm -hmm. These awareness characteristics... Uh, go right across the top of the organization board of, of a church organization. Uh, a staff member gets a public person. There's a certain awareness characteristic that aligns with his particular activity. And when that awareness characteristic is achieved, that person moves to the next person in the line. It's like an assembly line. Uh -huh. Well, the public, the public registrar's job is to orient. The awareness characteristic is orientation. His job is the orientation of this new public to what it is that he needs to do to accomplish some satisfaction on this problem that he has. It's a very simple process. 
And, and because we had complete confidence in the technology, it was very easy to talk about it. And, and of course, the public, no problem. They want to get onto that thing. Generally, it was a communications course. It's fantastic for a service for so many different reasons. Uh, certainly, the communication course was involved. In any case, then the person comes in for service, and he goes through these Division Six services, and they're all very basic services, and he, that is the domain of the public registrar. Every time he finishes the service, he comes back to the registrar, who orients him to the next service, you see, and he goes through those services, and then uh, he's ready for a major service, like a, a, a larger chunk of training, or maybe some processing in the H. GC, the Hubbard Guidance Center. So then he goes over to the Division Two Registrar, who who registers people for major services. Now his awareness characteristic, the awareness characteristic that he needs to accomplish with his public is called enlightenment. He needs to enlighten the person about what is going on with the case. He explains the reactive mind and all these various technical things. Registrars are very expert in what the different aspects of the technology address. Again, his job is never about the money. That was In our organizations, this was just never a question. If a registrar was oriented towards money, he'd go off to the quality control division for some correction. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. But you're just thinking about the guy's pocketbook, for crying out loud. I mean, this is like, what? It was just an alien concept. In the same way that um, you know, somebody who wants to go up the bridge in the years when I got it, back in 1975, you co-audited. That's the way everybody did it. Right. Uh, it wouldn't occur to you to get professional auditing. When people came in and bought professional auditing, it was like, what? Why are you doing that? But, of course, those are the days when all these organizations were camped next to university campuses. Mm-hmm. And students were the primary public who came in. And they were already in an education phase of their life and just shifted gears and trained as auditors. But those are the boom years because when you're training auditors, you have a future. If all you do is audit people, who's going to replace you? You know, it's just, wait a second, we, we, we need more auditors. They're incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. In any case, the registrar is there to enlighten people. I'll tell you, it's a true story. I was living in Clearwater. This is... Uh, 2008, a friend of mine living in Denver called me up and said that his girlfriend had just finished 12 intensives of auditing and she didn't want to continue. And uh, so so he wanted me to reg her. He wanted me to be her registrar. And I said, well, um, she doesn't want to go on. Why doesn't she want to go on? Obviously, there was something that happened earlier that would bring this about. Uh-huh. And he said, well, she's just telling me she's just, you know, it hasn't been that interesting for her. <laughs> I thought, you cannot go through 12 intensives of auditing and not be absolutely switched on like a very large light. Uh-huh. So I thought, okay, that's weird. So he flew me out to Denver and I had her do a, a profile. And as soon as I looked at her profile, I saw the problem. I thought, okay. So I sat down with her. She's she's a wonderful person, wonderful lady, extremely competent, very successful with her business. I, I absolutely knew immediately what was happening. And I said, well, well, here's the deal. Let's call her Leslie. Here's the deal, Leslie. You haven't been audited. And her mouth kind of fell open. And she said, I just finished 
12 intensives of honor. I said, well, what you had was 12 intensives of time spent with a very nice person. But there was no auditing going on. And she was dumbfounded. She said, well, he asked me all the questions. I said, I understand. But auditing occurs when an auditor asks the questions of the preclear in such a way where the preclear is interested in his or her own case and willing to talk to the auditor about it. Right. And she thought, okay, like, where am I getting at? And I said, but when your auditor asked you the questions, you would take the question and then have a conversation with yourself. You'd think, gee, I wonder what the right way to answer this question is. So she wasn't in session. That's right. And when I told her that's what she did, she said, yeah. (laughs) Is there anything wrong with that? I'm trying to answer questions. No, no, no. You see, you were looking at your case. You were not interested in your own case and talking to the auditor about case. You were just having your little own thought process over there and then telling the auditor what you thought he wanted to hear. Oh. And she said, and that was incorrect? <laughs> you know, she, she just wasted 12 intensives of auditing because there was no registrar. Uh-huh. You see, it's the registrar's job <clears throat> to enlighten people about what's happening, how it happens, why it works. This whole thing about in session is absolutely a part of a Division Two registration cycle. You're talking to the person about, because this is the first auditing the person's had. If it occurred in Division Six, if it was Division Six auditing, then the Division Six registrar would enlighten the person uh, or orient the person to what this is going on in session and the fact that she looks and she finds. She never got a red cycle. Uh-huh. And the reason she never got a red cycle is because she had more money than God. Uh-huh. And when she walked in, she walked in just to get auditing. And I said, why did you want to get auditing? And her answer was, well, because, you know, my, my boyfriend <laughs> is on... Is on OT6. And I thought, well, I want to be on OT6 too. <laughs> but this is a true start. Yeah. Absolutely true start. Uh, I mean, suddenly doing this whole thing called Scientology was just something I do because I want to be even with my boyfriend in this stuff. She's looking for parity with her boyfriend. But she had absolutely no personal concept of what this meant to her in her life her spiritual journey and so forth. It had nothing to do with her. And that's the registrar's job. But she walked in and, and, you know, John had sent her in and everybody knew she's absolutely wealthy. So she walked in and said, how much is 12 intensives? Mm -hmm. And he told her, she paid him and he brought her to the HGC. She didn't have a clue. And And I'll tell you, nobody bothered to qualify what was going on prior to her going in session or even probably showed her the piece he had as to how she was supposed to go about this. You're absolutely right. It's a little more complicated than that. It's a little more complicated than no registrar or a registrar who is money oriented. Uh No registrar worth his salt is going for the buck. He's going for the person going, holy shit. That's very interesting. Uh-huh. I really, I really need this. And he go, hey, I agree with you. What can I pay you for? What's it going to cost? 
and then you're into that side. But it's after the guy's enlightened. I never had to ask anybody for money. They would always offer it. Then I knew I've got an enlightened, enlightened guy on my head. But also, if I couldn't get into that stage, I didn't accept him. It's, that's it. He doesn't make it into my house. And I never took a loss because I got a line of people out the door. Uh, I, I never had any scarcity, but that was literally the case. And the other problem with this was she had 12 intensives with an auditor who could not see she wasn't in session. Which is scary in its own right. That's, that's absolutely spooky. I mean, I, honestly, I thought I was going to be sick. What's going on here in Denver that a, that a PC can go into an auditing situation and the auditor does not know not only that she's not in session, but she's clearly not making the tone arm she should be making because she's not in session. I mean, that's how large the outpoint was. Now, this is I'm just thinking yeah, I ran into all kinds of wild stuff in different orbs around the planet. Uh, all I did was I, I wrote them up. I, you know, I sent my reports to Qual, you know, suggested cramming orders and so forth, and then I went on. But it never occurred to me these things weren't being addressed. Mm -hmm. Addressing it wasn't ever my job. Writing it up and reporting it under the right line so these people could be corrected. But, you know, that's any Scientologist hat who wants to see a correctly run organization. Right, using KRC. In any case, exactly. So the, so the point is, is that... The, the lack of a registrar is also one of the points that, that causes an organization to fail because somebody goes, gosh, I want the next step. And you just get them on the next step, but they don't really know what they're doing. What's, what's the end game here? Where am I going and what am I handling on each of these points? They have to have a full enlightenment. Now, there are some very, very good auditors in the independent field. And I assure you, they are so good, including yourself. Jonathan, you sit down and you really orient somebody to what's going on. You take it through all the basic standard steps and you observe the person in front of you is in session. This is this is very usual in the field. But keep in mind, field auditors are no longer under the tutelage of a completely squirreled organization as the church had become through the 80s and 90s. In any case, end this particular paragraph, this particular subject. Registration became getting somebody's money. And I mean, if they couldn't pay for a service, then you get credit cards. If they don't have credit cards, you get them to mortgage their house. Mm -hmm. And this, I mean, you wouldn't believe the stories. My, my stable datum is, if you don't have the money, then, then you need the administrative technology. Right. <laughs> You follow? Uh -huh. No, you don't alter the tech to get somebody's cash. This guy needs an administration scale, or this guy needs financial planning, or this guy needs just to be able to name his product. Mm -hmm. I, I never worked with people who didn't have money. If they didn't have money, they wouldn't be getting auditing and training services. They would be getting administrative services to show them how to generate their cash flow and What's the problem you got to handle with this guy? And if he hasn't got any money, then that's the problem you need to handle with this guy. I mean, I mean I'm 100% responsible for this guy. In fact, I met many of my clients over the years through a consulting line. Mm -hmm. Once they get that handled and they see how miraculous the technology is, they go, well, what about this? Can I handle this? Yeah, but that's not my job. Mm -hmm. That's an auditor's job. And so I have introduced literally thousands of people to uh, uh, services uh, in the church or with field auditors. I have a lot of friends around the world who uh, were, were auditing in the field. 
So wherever I was, I already, I always had somebody to send somebody to. And, and very often in businesses, you'll find that somebody's just having trouble with his marriage. Uh, and is so distracted by those problems that he just can't get his attention on his damn business, mm-hmm. which wasn't doing very bad before this thing went by, by the boards. You bring him in and uh, you fix up his marriage. M- many, many times that happened. But the beauty of it is we, we have the miracle of this technology. There's no issue with people that we can't resolve, but you have to be sensible about it. You can't bring in people and just assume that they know what you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And if a guy doesn't have money, well, I mean, Ron Hubbard in his own finance policy says this is the way you handle finance. And today in the church, there isn't a single registrar that has been added on that material because they don't give a damn what you have to do to get him his money. Mm -hmm. In other words, the registrar wants you to do this service, and that's the most important thing you need to think about. Uh, but I don't have any money. Do, well, what about your grandmother? Does she have money? What about friends? Let's get on the phone. And it's like, oh, this is ridiculous. It's short-circuited. Oh, uh, I mean, it's like, it is not using Scientology to resolve the problem. Mm-hmm. Would it be safe to say that they have completely inverted Ron's technology on Be Do Have in that wise, from your standpoint? Oh, there's, there's no question. Be Do Have is, don't get me started. There is no there is no resemblance to Scientology going on in the Church of Scientology. And in truth, uh, in the field, it leaves something to be desired in many respects. Mm-hmm. In many respects. Um, for example, uh, I don't want to deviate off of this registration thing. Does sure. it, do you think we've handled this registrar question? Yes. Because, okay. because I know people have a lot of upset connected with registrars, but they actually don't. Uh-huh. What, what they have upsets with is corrupted people who are doing something they're calling registration. Uh-huh. It's sort of like people don't have any complaints about Scientology. The only thing they complain about is its misapplications yeah. or the concept they have of Scientology that they got from a misapplication or a misunderstood word. I guarantee you. That's the way it is. You cannot get upset about gravity or you're just crazy. Do you follow? I mean, these are natural laws. They they don't have anything to compare to. That's right. What they've received is what they know, so they think, well, that's what this is, when it isn't necessarily what it should be, but it is what it is currently, and they have no other place to go to receive that or don't know, in the case of the field outside of the church that it exists because they're told not to look, for example. Well, you're absolutely right, Jonathan, and, and there is the rub. Because they are, they have this perception that this is Scientology, they're antagonistic to it. But the fact of the matter is, what these people think about Scientology was true, you and I would be antagonistic to it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I don't blame you a bit. These people who are critics of Scientology, hey, I'm in complete agreement with them. Because if I looked at Scientology from their viewpoint and, and saw it as they see it, yeah, I'd be pissed off as well. It's actually an encouraging point for me for these people because they're saying, well, you know, they just brainwash people. Yeah, I don't understand why you're pissed off about that. But that isn't Scientology. You're not complaining about Scientology. You're complaining about people who call themselves Scientologists you're complaining about a church that claims that it practices Scientologists, but I guarantee you, 
they're not complaining about Scientology. Mm -hmm. They're complaining about some weird practice. And it's very easily sorted out. I've sorted out how many people over the years who were upset about this and that. And you go, and you, well, here's what Ron says. And they go, well, that's not at all what was happening. <laughs> that's right. So I understand <laughs> your upset. But your upset is not concerning Scientology. It's concerning what this guy told you Scientology was. Mm -hmm. Completely not what registration is. And the IES, and you can go on and on. But that, that handles the registration. There's nothing. Registrars, the greatest registrars I've ever known, are people the public was seeking out on a continuous basis. They were the most popular people in the organizations. Mm -hmm. Anybody had a question, they'd go up to the registrar. Today, and, and towards the end of my tenure when I was in there, nobody went up to the registrar because they didn't want to then sit down and, and rent some money off. <laughs> He's the last person you want to talk to. You don't want to talk to a registrar because all he's thinking about is money. Uh -huh. And uh, But that is not the way it was in the early days. When, when, uh, my office was crowded with people who were, you know, they're already on service. They're happening. They're they're having a great time, and they come up and say, listen, I got this issue of blah, 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 and say, okay, and I give them some suggestions or show them a reference, and off they go very happy. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just my job as a Scientologist, as a person, to help a friend, but uh, not today. Mm -hmm. Anyway, end of registrars. We'll move on to the next subject, unless you have any questions or anything to, to, to add to this. Well, the, the only thing that's, that stands out to me is a lot of the old guard has been removed, the people that knew or if you were to look at it from an admin standpoint or the the data trail has been eliminated by the elimination of the people that knew the data trail and you reinstall people in there with the uh, purpose of just getting money not enlightening the people and those people have no idea of what the actual policy is to do to do these things and so you end up with a totally and completely different quote-unquote, Scientology than uh, what, what was intended by LRH. Exactly. That's exactly what's happened. It's a tragedy. And, and you know, obviously, it, 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 now we have the independent field, of course. But in the independent field, as we've moved away from registration, registrars make, or, or auditors make terrible regs. Because, first of all, um, they're technicians. They are so not interested in money and that whole thing. All they want to do is help this guy get up the bridge. I mean, they want to help him get up the bridge so much that, if, well, if, if, you, if you have a hard time with the payments, why don't I just do it for free and then you pay me whenever you can? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you, you can't build an organization if you left it in charge of auditors. So, so you've got to have administrators. You have to have administrators on post. And registration, for example, is an administrative action. Marketing is an administrative action. Managing, finance, all these things are administrative actions. Most field auditors are not administratively trained. Make no mistake, the expansion of a church is an administrative function. The, admin, the, the administration of a field group or a field organization is an administrative function. The delivery of the tech and moving people up the line is the product this organization exchanges with the public. But if the public doesn't know the organization is here to do this and has no awareness of why they should, these are all administrative things. Mm -hmm. So basically what happens is auditors will survive because they are very good auditors and the people they audit send them their friends. 
and they will take on as many people as they have the time on their schedule to handle. So they will only expand so far. They they will they will hit a ceiling of expansion. Right, and then only you, so you, many you hours can, in you the day. Cannot, there are only so many hours in the day. That's right. I mean, I mean, you can audit fifty hours a week. You're smoking, but you're not going to ever get to fifty hours a week because you have to go off post to do this other promotional action to get more people in. Mm-hmm. This is why you have this booms and depressions thing. You go out and you promote. You get public in. You deliver to them. Now your public is is uh, handled, and suddenly. You don't have any more public, so you have to go out and promote again. So your stats go up and down and up and down. And as you stood across the room and looked at that statistic, it's an emergency condition. If you're administratively trained and you know how to manage by statistics, that's called an emergency condition. It's a flat graph. Mm-hmm. Now, emergency on a long term is a danger. It's a danger condition, and it's handled with its own formula. And if you don't handle that, then you go into non-existence. So field auditors don't survive for very long unless they're willing just to keep it like it is and they just kind of lope along, but there's no expansion. And that audit, he's not training more auditors. Uh, His organization isn't expanding. So give it a generation, two generations, and the game will be gone. Well, that's something we're trying to stop. (laughs) That's something we're all trying to stop. Uh, But unfortunately, like you say, uh, most auditors aren't admin trained and aren't aware of the LRH's data and the tech admin ratio, which is directly what we're talking about. Precisely. Two administrators to one technical person is the optimum ratio. And field auditors don't have time to train other auditors because training is a very time-consuming process that requires supervision and so forth. And the auditor in a small practice doesn't have the work. I mean, training is much less expensive than processing. Processing, he can have one PC a week and just really crank with him, or maybe two or even three, and he can do well. I mean, he can actually take a vacation every year and so forth. But he, he doesn't have the bandwidth to train people. And there are various course rooms around, I'm sure, that I haven't heard about in the States. I haven't been there for a while. But there are places where you can go in and just train. But a training facility has to include many students just to make it viable. Say nothing of the fact that you need twins and all that sort of stuff. It's a logistics problem. It's an administrative problem. Scientology will not disappear because of its technology. It'll disappear because of the lack of application of its technology. Right. You need a critical mass. That's it. That's it. But pain is the inspiration to learning. And as this thing collapses over time, pretty soon everybody's going to have so much pain going on, they're going to go, okay, we need to change our operating basis here. <laughs> we, need to create a, we need to create a central organization with dedicated souls who really want to make this happen and then make it happen because uh, that's, that's the way the, the technology will survive, by applying it. But, but if all we apply is the auditing tech, Nah, we're not going to make it. Right. You've got to have the ethics technology and you've got to have the admin technology. It's almost and as if, a, if it was for- a second dynamic that you're, you're trying to forward by having more auditors that produce products that people say, you know, I want to be like that gal or I want to be like that guy and I want what they're having and, and all of that. But it's it's got to start somewhere and the cycle has to be broken in order to keep the cycle as on a larger scale, the whole board board, Rolling, you can't just have a div four without a div one and a div two and a div three and and so on. That's right. That's right. This is the problem many marriages run into. 
because when the sex gets old, you realize there's more to a relationship than the sex. That might be a Department 13 activity, but there's 21 departments. Uh-huh. <laughs> you you got to support this thing financially. You have to have common goals and purposes. You have to have similar administration skills. There's so many things you need to align on. Many people just jump into relationships without examining all these other things. Right. It ends up five years of fun and then six years of complete misery and then two years of ending. And uh, it's tragic what you see with people's relationships today. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I don't mean to bring bring this entire proceedings down into the second dynamic and the, <laughs> the problems people have with it. But the fact is, if they, if they knew Scientology and applied it, these problems wouldn't happen. Right. That's, that's the tragedy of this whole game, the fact that the tech absolutely works, but you have to know it, uh, understand it, and apply it. And then, wow, you're, you're having fun again. Right. Now, and now, you're enjoying and you're having success. That's, that's one point I'd like to cover before we close for today, is how we go about differentiating what we're dealing with as far as what Scientology the subject is and what Scientology the corporate entity is and cleaning that up. Obviously the the registration issue is is a huge factor under that umbrella, but briefly, what would be a solution for that? Apply Scientology, Mm -hmm. in a word. But what aspects are missing? Because when you talk about applying Scientology to people who absolutely don't know what it is, and I'm, I'm talking about people who have been in Scientology for years. I think I mentioned to you guys uh, a few days ago that, um, you know, I, I toured the world doing workshops for brand new public, introducing them to this subject. And there were old timers in these audiences that were blowing their minds. They had been around that. for years and never really understood this fundamental. But they didn't know they didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And then in my workshop, I'd go over this fundamental and I'd give them some demonstrations. And you could see this guy's eyeballs roll in their head. His his hand slaps his forehead. I mean, you know, they'd come up to me afterwards going, Jesus, I've been doing this for 15 years and it's the first time I have ever understood that. Now, understand the implications of this because here's a guy who's been studying all these years and trying to keep it all together and make this make sense and this and, and all this effort and suddenly learns the missing piece that he thought he knew. Imagine the number of dominoes that fall in that guy's universe. Imagine the number of alignments that occur. Oh, now I have, and that means that's the way you apply that over there. And oh my God, this, this guy is having realizations for the next three weeks mm-hmm. as what he has already learned comes to him in a whole new unit of time, and he is rehabbed. He's going, this is why I fell in love with Scientology. Mm -hmm. It makes sense out of things. But it's the fundamentals. You can't get too simple. It's just very simple stuff. Now, speaking to your question, do we get it back on the rails? How did it go off the rails? Well, we can always be sort of glib about it and say, well, people have misunderstood work. Well, that's that's true. They do. They have misunderstood words. Uh, uh, all of us do. Uh, I recently did one of these intro workshops for a group here in Johannesburg. Mm-hmm. And there was an old timer in the audience. And I was just, this is introducing the subject of communication. And, uh, you know, we have this course that we delivered down here. I, I commented about, you know, duplication and understanding. 
And I laid out the difference between what it is to duplicate something and what it is to understand something. Mm -hmm. And that's when that guy walked up and walked out of the room. And uh, he came back 15 minutes later, but he had to get up and walk out of the room because that thing hit him in the middle of the head. And he, he always thought that if I say one, two, three, four to him, what it means to duplicate something is if he says one, two, three, four back to me. Mm-hmm. That's a duplication. In other words, he's giving me a duplicate copy like a psychiatrist. When you say, you know, I've got a pain in my zorch, and he says, I hear you saying you have a pain in your zorch. <laughs> well, that's not duplication. The fact that the guy then utters back what he heard. Because when did he ever do that? There's no TR where he ever did that. Yeah, but he just later to me says, yeah, I knew that. But I just, that's what I always thought it was. And so it was just in there like a BB in a barrel knocking around. Mm-hmm. Mimicry. Yeah, mimicry, exactly. This is, um, this is the point that's addressed on TR1. We, we, we've already gone over the, the TR, the training routines and the communications course. And we know that these are, these are steps on the road to clear all by themselves without any further process. But you've got to duplicate. Mm-hmm. Now, this point of duplication is taking the, taking the line from the book, make it your own, and as your own, bring it back. This is all about you know the duplicative question and duplicating and making things your own. Right, the world begins with TR0 sort of thing. Exactly. But but you see, like he said, the rest of the TRs uh, are only there because you have to occasion a further reach mm-hmm. because it pushes other buttons. But it's always the TR0 that goes out. But it just goes out on TR1 or TR2 or whatever which TR you're on. Mm-hmm. But on this particular TR, you see people uh, very robotically taking a line from Alice in Wonderland and giving it to the person that they take it and say, hmm, I haven't seen you in three days. They read the line and then look at the guy and say, I haven't seen you in three days because they're saying the words think they have made it their own. And no, 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 it's not your own. It's not your own. Mm-hmm. Ellerich made this comment when he said, "I, you know, people approach him. Did we talk about this already? I think we did. Yeah, we, we, we did. I, I, I forgot to mention to you that I, I'm not sure where you did the course, but uh, Carrie and I were talking about your being on the Pro TRs pilot and everything like that. And I, I did Pro TRs at Flag in '88, and there were still a lot of the vestiges of." what you guys experienced and hammered out and everything that we're still knocking around. And this point exactly made me think of that, of making it your own. You know, somebody says you're doing TR1 and the the coach is standing behind your twin and says, uh, was that your own? And you go, well, yeah, yeah, that was my own. And they just look at you and go, no, no, it wasn't your own. And it's, it wasn't a physical universe thing. It was that they could see it wasn't your own. You weren't duplicating it. And when you first start doing that, you don't know what in the world they're talking about. You're just glib as hell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is another thing that utterly failed early on in the church, which is the coaching. Yeah. Coaching went out, and, and students were sitting there self-coaching. Uh-huh. You know, for example, a coach wouldn't ask you, did you make it your own? Because that asked you to coach yourself puts attention on you. The coach observes, was it his? Because if it wasn't his, he's out of valence. Mm -hmm. 
It's it's somebody else. Which is usually so he's the no case longer to begin in with. communication. That's usually how it is to begin with. It's I think people uh, in the beginning feel like they're acting. They're saying exactly. the line. They're trying to present a a personality, but it's not them actually speaking it from themselves. That's exactly right. People, when they come in off the street, are not being themselves. Mm -hmm. That's why they're coming in off the street. They want to be themselves. That's a very good point. And this course does more to help a person be himself than any other course I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Because they they say, flunk, you're not relaxed. Start. Mm -hmm. And you, you keep the person moving through until he has to deal with this. This is rattling around in his head. Well, do cats eat bats? And it's like, wah! Flunk, stiff. And if he can't <laughs> get it, can't get it, can't get it, you put him back on the earlier TRs. Mm-hmm. You get him to get his OD, TR0, flat, 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 flat. Right. Oh, it's just so simple. It's, it's so righteous, and the effect it creates when a person finally pops out and goes, wow. <laughs> I can communicate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's joyous for everybody around. Well, the, to bring this full circle um, and wrap it up, wrap this show up. Uh, what we just talked about, as far as the Pro TRs course or just a regular lower gradient communications course, is exactly, exactly what you're talking about in getting it across to a person what they need and what where we've ended up with the church as far as one of the whys, why why it's in the situation it's in. It's they're not doing what we were just talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the world begins with TR0, but, but I, I don't uh, particularly go along with the whole public communications course. I, I am absolutely uh, behind the bulletin where it talks about you cycle people through right. and you take them on a gradient but if the guy isn't making it, find his misunderstood words. There will always be one there. Look at the word duplication. Look at the word attention. Look at the word comfortable. You'll find the words. The guy will move through, and you move him through to a hard pass. Two yeah. hours. And I'll tell you, when we <laughs> ran that, this was the boom in the 70s. Yeah. This was the boom. I mean, you know, that was the first course I did. You're going to sit down there and do it, Bob. Now, it's not the last time you're going to do the course because you can sit there and you can get this thing to a certain standard, but then you're going to go through at a later point and really clear your words. Mm-hmm. You're going to clear them until you have a very good product here, but you're not going to try to make the guy perfect on his first course. But he'll see this material again, and and I've had seven different communication courses. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've delivered many of them, but I've gone through myself seven different communications courses, including three professional TRs courses. And every one of them I had wins on. And, oh, there's another piece of false data, by the way, that, that I don't know how it got out there, but uh, somebody said that, that Ron pointed out that when your TRs are totally in, they're in for life. And uh, because I, my TRs are not in right now, they just activities. I, I haven't been paying attention. My ethics have been a little bit out over here and over here. and I've gotten a little dispersed. I've been through a lot of stuff, and I haven't done TRs in years. So mm-hmm. I can say, yeah, my TRs are not in you need a tune uh, up the way I, I know they can be. But it doesn't say once your TRs are in, they are in for the rest of your life. 
it says they are in for life, which means they're in in your marriage, they're in on your job, they're in when you're talking to the grocer, they're in when you're having conversations with your friends, they're in in your life, not just in an auditing session. Right, in application. Yeah, you're applying them everywhere. When they're in, they're in. But they can go out. That's why there's a quality control division. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why you do retreads and that sort of thing. You can get them back in, but once they're in, it's quite a fantastic thing. Thank you again for being on the show for, uh, let's see, this is going to be uh, night five. And uh, Listen, It's absolutely my pleasure, but may, may I point out before we end that if everybody listening to this uh, has comments to make, what do you want to hear about? What's Do you have any questions of me and stuff? I wish they would... There was some sort of a line where they could ask these questions, make comments. Did they learn something? How are you doing out there in television land or <laughs> podcast land or whatever the heck you call this? Anyway, that would be my final comment. I hope we hear from our listeners. Are they getting something out of this? Are we doing uh, any good with what we're talking about here together? Okay. And again, Mark, thank you again for your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.